Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. And winter is coming. 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 And winter is coming. Winter is coming, and so is the fourth season of the Long Winter Art Series in Toronto. Volume 1 takes place on November 13th, featuring a ton of music, including performances by Calvin Love, Sahara, Eloquent, and many, many more. There's comedy by Laugh Sabbath. There are DJs. There's a ton of visual art happening. There's uh, arcade games curated by the Hand-Eye Society. A bunch of dance stuff is happening. There are zines. I'm hosting my Long Night with Vishkana talk show with guests Desmond Cole and Eloquent and stand-up by Matt Collins. Uh, someone invented a game called Invisible. It's a, some kind of sport. There's food. There's lots and lots of stuff. Long Winter, Year 4, Volume 1, takes place Friday, November 13th at the Great Hall, which is located at 1087 Queen Street West in Toronto. Starts at 7 p.m. It's an all-ages licensed event. Uh, unfortunately, the venue is not wheelchair accessible. You can learn more about how to keep up with Long Winter at torontolongwinter.com. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Al Purdy Was Here, A Labyrinth of Lies, A Walk in the Woods, Sicario, some Guelph Film Festival programming, and much more. On Monday, November 9th, the Bookshelf presents Jack Granitstein at the Italian-Canadian Club for a discussion about his new book, The Best Little Army in the World. And at the E-Bar on November 5th, see the band Greylands. And on November 6th, see Lowlands, Matt Manoogian and Jesse Bell Smith. The Bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. More information about their hours, listings, blogs, directions, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. Creative Control with Vish Missing from heresy and lesser rations, lung disease. 
Nelson is a musician and visual artist who resides in the Washington, D.C. area. Formerly in the band Beauty Pill, Nelson currently plays in Michigan's Minutes and the D.C. group Soccer Team, which he co-founded 10 years ago with Melissa Quinley. Nine years since their debut, Soccer Team has just released their second album, a sharp, witty pop affair called Real Lessons in Cynicisms, which is out now via Discord Records, and they plan to play a couple of shows near D.C. in the next little while. Here now to discuss this further is Ryan Nelson. Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very well. Was everything I said there accurate? Uh, yeah, it was pretty It was pretty accurate. Um, I think you might have said real lessons and cynicisms, plural. Yeah, because I, uh, I, I thought, did I write the title? Did I say that? I, I, part of me thought I'd written the I, title I wrong. I didn't write cynicisms, I but I was like, real lessons in cynicism, isn't there something else? I thought there was something else. I may have misheard you, so, um, but no, it says... No, no, you heard me crystal clear. I It was me breaking down in the midst of saying an album title I was unsure of. That's what right. happened. Well, there you have it. That's, it was, that's, it's a long and wordy title. It's a great title. I love the song titles. Um, I love the uh, album title. It's great. Oh, thanks. Yeah, the. I mean, some of them are pretty funny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's good of you to say about your own songs that's uh no i mean we you know we of course you know like when you make a song title into an entire sentence i think you 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 kind of know that it's funny yeah 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 totally i want to ask you about specific songs a little bit later but i think one of the interesting things about you and soccer team is that you did a thing where you went away you moved away from washington dc and and went to I believe Kalamazoo, Michigan, and lived there for a while. And then you went back to D.C. and your band, the band you left behind, was still there. Can you talk a little bit about how that happened? Yeah. Well, uh, soccer team. Everything before I left was going uh, really well. So when I left, it wasn't like you know me leaving in a sort of a glorious fit of frustration or something like that. Um, like er- like the whole thing was. Uh, was really positive. Melissa and I worked on the record, and then we started playing shows. And we got Justin Moyer to play drums with us. We did a, we did shows with Antelope. I don't know if you're familiar with Antelope. Yeah. But I really really love them a lot. So I was really happy that that's part of our <laughs> part of our past. <laughs> it's like we got to play with Antelope. <laughs> but um, uh, and then I, I mean the reality is that I 
always wanted to be a teacher, and I got swept away with uh, music and art um, for for a long time. So uh, in order to actually, at some point I decided that in order to become a teacher, I would have to move out of the D.C. area so that I could so that I could go to school, and I wanted to go to a place where I didn't I didn't really know too many people. Um, but I, I knew that if I stayed at home, I, I couldn't say no to any projects that were related to music or art. So if I stayed in D.C., uh, I would never, I would basically never get my degree. Right. So you, I just, you needed to isolate yourself a little bit. Right. So uh, so that's that's how that came to be. And then I, and it sounds silly, but I think that part of the sort of positive decision-making process happened because my uh for for uh the christmas holiday my parents they asked me what i wanted and i said i wanted a gym membership and i didn't think they would actually get it for me cuz that's just a crazy gift but i was feeling pretty schlubby anyway they they bought me a uh a membership for a year at this really nice gym uh that was it's funny because it's the kind of gym that was so posh that i just felt like i didn't belong there ever um, and I was, I felt, I felt guilty if I didn't go to the gym because my parents spent this money on this gift. So for the first time in my life, and I'm no athlete, I've never been in shape for the first time in my life, I was going to the gym regularly. And I think that, uh, I was making really clear decisions and, <laughs> and doing that kind of thing. Uh, and I, I don't know when I look back on it, I, I always feel like the, the decision to leave DC and get the teaching degree had everything to do with me, um, you know, being in a better uh, state of mind. And now, and don't get the wrong idea. Like I wasn't out there like Danzig getting totally cut. Or <laughs> I, I was like, I'm, you know, I, I still, I actually, I, I looked exactly the same. It was just more just like being, you know, having this sort of routine. It's probably the closest I've ever been because I, you know, I, I don't uh, do anything like meditating or any kind of yoga or anything like that. But it's the closest I've ever been to something like that, you know, where you have even like 20 minutes of stretching after a workout, sort of clear your mind or whatever. Yeah, no, I hear you. It's amazing how many times on this show I've spoken to someone and their explanation invokes the phrase, I wasn't out there like Danzig. <laughs> Happens more than you would think. Uh, that's really funny. Yeah, he's our, uh, he's our go-to guy. He's, he's a- our point of reference. Yeah, he's a he's, he's he's in the culture in a very <clears throat> unique way, Danzig, Glenn Danzig. Yeah. I, I uh, no, but anyway, the the thing is that that I, it was with a heavy heart that I, I left D.C. I mean, I was born in D.C. and I lived in Maryland, Virginia, like the surrounding metro area. But I was in D.C. for the first thirty three years of my life, and I left for about five years, and then came back. But it was, you know, it wasn't easy to leave. Um, and soccer team was like, at that time, soccer team was my everything. So it wasn't uh, like my collaboration with Melissa was just so awesome. Uh, I felt like Melissa and I had this thing. Like we, when we would play live, like the there wasn't any pressure to like nail it. I know that sounds bad. <laughs> No, no, that's good. That's what you want, though. You don't want to feel pressure doing something you love. You want it to feel, yeah. feel natural and warts and all. Yeah. So I mean, and Melissa had. I mean, we had shows where we played, you know, 
played okay or played clams or played, you know, whatever. But it was, it was always like, it was just, I don't know. I was always very relaxed yeah. with that. That's, so it was, that's it was important. hard. It was hard to leave. Um, but I, I really did want to, to get, uh, get a degree so that I could teach. Um, and so I went to Michigan. And then when I was in Michigan, <laughs> this is funny. When I was in Michigan, uh, I knew Chafe and Ann Hensley, and that's it. And I was really happy about that. I was like, I don't know anybody. Uh, Chafe and Ann are really good to me. They're, never, they're not going to let me starve. But other than that, like, I'm on my own. And um, the reason that I went to Kalamazoo was because from touring, uh, like, the, and other bands I was in, we would, we would play Detroit and Chicago, and we would book a show in Kalamazoo to break up the drive. Right. And Kalamazoo was always a better show. So... Uh, I just ended up falling in love with that town. Like every house has a porch. Um, the art scene was really supportive and, and lively. And, uh, and I loved the Hensleys like that, uh, Chafe and Ann Hensley and their daughter, Ruby, they were just such wonderful people. So, you know, I, when I moved there, I wasn't like, I need to go to this school. I need to go to Western Michigan university. Like it was more just like, what town could I live in? And do they have a college? Right. Right. Uh, and then, and that's where I ended up going. So when I was there, though, Chafe, uh, Chafe and Ann were really good to me. They actually fed me almost every night for a little while, uh, and we'd play uh, Star Wars Monopoly a lot. Um, Star, and I, Star Wars Monopoly? I've not heard of this. It's you know, like Monopoly has like. <laughs> no, I, I mean I understand the concept. They have thematic <laughs> versions of Monopoly. I just. I just am curious about Star Wars. Um, everyone's talking about Star Wars right now, and I just... I know, I know, I know. It's its bad. But it was, it was very fun. The, the Monopoly game that they had was this uh, amalgamation of all six Star Wars movies. <laughs> so, oh, man. So it was like, you know, um, you know, there'd be Obi-Wan on there, but there'd also be, uh, what's his name, Samuel L. Jackson. Right. Uh, that's, so, that's his name. Was, in the, that's his name in the movie. Samuel L. Yeah, Jackson. That's, that's Obi Wan Kenobi and Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. No, I don't so remember. Sorry. I don't know the new, uh, the pre, the new. Well, you know what I mean. I don't know the prequel people names very well at all. I only watched them. I think I've. I think I've seen the prequels. I remember seeing the first one and being like, "This is garbage." I yeah. Don't, I don't yeah, like me, this. Me too. I mean, actually, I had my disappointment with the first. Uh, Star Wars was 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 actually the Anakin character because in my mind, like he, it just seems so like this wacky Disney esque, which is funny now because it's all Disney. But at the <laughs> at the time, like when he was uh, at the end of the movie, he's like flying something and he's blowing stuff up and he's like i don't know what i'm doing everything's blowing oh you know <laughs> and this is all some link because in the first movie uh you know alec guinness says <laughs> he says that your father was an accomplished starfighter so they had to actually uh they actually had to insert this moment in this movie to make him an accomplished pilot right and it was so stupid and so corny and i and so i made me so angry but the my vision of Anakin would have been so much better. It would have been this kid who's just, you know, he has a propensity to wear black. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he never speaks. I, I saw him more like 
he should have been like Damien from The Omen. <laughs> right, right. Kind of like, like a what? goth kid, kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or, or just like a kid, like you don't know what he's thinking. Like it just would have been so much more powerful instead of this like, you know, hang on R2. <laughs> you know, like, right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really silly thing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but what I was going to say about Kalamazoo is this. Uh, by the way, the Monopoly games were epic and amazing, and it was awesome. But uh, the what I was going to say was that my plan was to not play music, uh, and I knew that there was there was art in Kalamazoo and music in Kalamazoo, and and if I wanted it, I could always kind of tap into it. But when I got there, I really just wanted to focus on school and not start a band and and not do all that kind of stuff. And it the way minutes started. Um, you know, it, like I didn't see myself like st- I didn't really want to start a new band. And when we started playing together, it was very organic um, and and uh, really comfortable. And the and the four of us just like we had so much in common in terms of um, uh, sort of a frame of reference for, from all the bands that we had been in before. Like we had the bands that had toured had toured in the same way. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we came from the same the same thing, and I really didn't expect to to meet and bond with a group of guys like that. So, uh, and then when and so it was kind of glorious to hook up with with minutes and to start that. Um, and it was also really really hard when I decided to to move back to DC because because in the same way that I really loved soccer team and didn't want to leave it. Uh, I didn't want to leave minutes either because we were we were really rolling along. Yeah, and that, those, that, those that, guys are like brothers, you know. Th- that Roland record is incredible. It's one of my favorite records. I love that the, uh, the minutes I'm, album. I'm glad you've heard it. Uh, yeah, we. I mean, those guys. I it probably sounds corny, but it's just the level of comfort that that I had with them, playing live and for recording. Like everybody was on the same page, and it was. Uh, and still is, you know, because, you know, it's not like we broke up. Uh, it's just really great. I love those guys a lot. Right. No, it's great. Now, you had mentioned uh, your your obvious connection to D.C. Uh, Washington, D.C. has a historically significant music scene, particularly when it comes to punk. And I'm curious, how busy is it these days? Like, how busy is that? Discord did a really great job of documenting a lot of sort of fervent, uh, prolific, a prolific period. And then Discord itself has seemingly slowed down. The releases are few and far between nowadays, um, but it's tending to its catalog. You've got a new record out on Discord. Can you maybe in- encapsulate how you would g- gauge the, the the level of activity in DC these days in terms of music? I'm probably not... Uh... I'm probably not qualified to answer. I uh, let's put. Uh, it sounds terrible. I don't mean to sound like an old head, but I I don't go to shows as much as I used to. And uh, as far as like what's currently happening in DC, um, I'm not I'm not very with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm embar- and I'm I'm embarrassed to say it, but uh, like I work all the time as a teacher. Uh, my wife and I we we recently had twins. Congra- so, congratulations! If, That's amazing. Hey, thanks. But uh, we—it's—it <laughs> it makes for a really uh, busy and crazy schedule. Yeah. So, like, as far as like keeping up with what's happening right now, uh, yeah, I just, I just, I don't actually know. Um, I, I will say, like, the band that I like 
the most right now, the band I'm most interested in is a band called Puff Pieces. I don't know that. Uh, They're from DC. If you, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, Mike from Antelope, uh, Justin, and uh, Amanda Huron, who used to play with the Stigmatics, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's the band that I like. I don't. That's a band that like when they play, I don't want to miss a show. I have missed shows. Don't get the wrong idea, but <laughs> like, but when they're playing. Like it's they're so good, and it's something like you really do have to see it live. They they are they're kind of weird and weird in the best way, like uh, like like hypnotic almost. Puff pieces, um, okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brian from uh, Brian Lowett put out their seven inch. Oh, okay. So if you get a chance, they have a four song seven inch. Devin Ocampo uh, recorded it. And uh, it sounds great, and I think they have a full length coming at some point. But that's the band, like, like as far as like new bands go, uh, Puff Pieces. Like, I saw them at Fort Reno. Uh, it's like a outdoor yeah, yeah. space, and uh, I saw them at Fort Reno, and I remember just uh, I was standing next to Alec Mackay, and we were both having like the sort of like same reaction, like you know, looking around at the audience, like, is everybody seeing this? Because this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Oh, wow, you know, nice. Like, wow. like a, that sort of thing. Uh, and I just I just love it. Um, and then, but, you know, I think it, it might have been at that Fort Reno show, too. This was probably a year or two ago. I can't remember. But they played with a band called The Priests. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's another uh, DC band that's sort of new. And I don't, I don't know, you have to forgive my ignorance, I don't know much about them. But there were a lot of people like watching the priests play at Fort Reno. Like they, were, they had a huge crowd, and that's the other thing. Uh, I said to Alec, I said, "Is this because I didn't? I wasn't going to Fort Reno regularly. I was like, is this is this because Fort Reno has a a regular crowd this size, or is this for the priests?" Right. And he was and he was saying, uh, "No, this is them. Like this is like they're kind of big." And I had I had no idea. You right, know? right. You feel um, you feel a bit disconnected. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. Like, I, yeah. I definitely feel disconnected. Right. I'm embarrassed to say it because I, I feel like, you know, you should know. I don't know. I, I I spent a lot of years being very very active in the music scene and being you know very involved in everything. Yeah. And it's it's sort of shameful to say that that's not the case anymore. Right. Now you yourself, uh, in, in in terms of soccer team, you write these very sharp, funny. I, I almost view them as observational songs. It seems like, well, this is my question: How many of these songs would you say have evolved from actual conversations? Because they seem like the subject matter seems like something that you and someone would just be kind of spitballing, you know, every once in a while. Uh. <laughs> That's a good question. I'd say, I mean, just guessing, probably probably like half of them, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, the song Problems with Prolonged Youth, which is the first song on the record, that one came from uh, a conversation between uh, Melissa and me. We were, we were walking, it was a Halloween, like quite a few years ago, uh, back in the first incarnation of soccer team 
And it was Halloween, and we were just going up the street looking at how people had decorated their houses or something. Right. And we're having this conversation about people that we know uh, and, you know, people making sort of like these hefty decisions uh, or having trouble actually doing something different. And uh, and it wasn't like bashing anybody. Um, in fact, we were probably including ourselves in the conversation. And Melissa just said to me, I think some people have a problem with prolonged youth. And I just took it as a as a song title right away. <laughs> like I just like one of these days, this is going to be, uh, you know. And then you know the song, if you like the lyrics of the song, really are about uh, not not necessarily feeling old, but you're you're physically changing, and you can't you can't physically do the things that, that you once could anymore. Right. You know? Right. So there's a there's I mean. Uh, there's this whole part about skateboarding in that song about being clumsier when you skate um, or the fact that when you fall, uh, it really hurts when you fall. You know, right. you're not really bouncing back up, that right. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, but it, it's also, I'm not saying it like this heavy sort of like lament. It's, it's just part of life, you know. Yeah. Like I still have all the sort of like seven seconds attitude of, you know, young till I die. Uh, you know, I, I still believe in, in sort of the, the young mindset, you know, uh, but you know, you just physically <laughs> can't do what you once could do. <laughs> right. And this, this is coupled with the fact that you had a bit of a, I wouldn't call it a physical reawakening, but just discovering that you could work out when you never had before. That's actually a big deal. I had the same experience when I started running a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've run off and on in my life, and it and very. I mean, it's been very inconsistent just because of a timing thing. Like, yeah, I have a hard time saying I have a hard time saying no to to any project, art or music related. So I just. But uh, but when I do run on a regular basis, you know, uh, I feel better. Um, but yeah, now it's if I do it now, it's it's kind of hard on my knees. Yeah. Um, I, I still skate as much as I, I can, which is usually like once a week. But, um, man, I'm telling you, it's it's tough. Like, you know, <laughs> I'll feel it for the rest of the week. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, so, it's what happens to our bodies, yeah. I do want to ask you about very specific songs off of the new soccer team record. Are you up for a little illumination? Absolutely, yeah. If I can, If I can illuminate, I will. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I'm quite fond of the the titles and then of the song titles, and then as you as I as a listener as I delve into the songs, I just found myself more and more, you know, little things would stick out and and, and hit me, and I'd be like, oh, that's really really interesting. So, one of the th- songs was "Here's Why Dancers Smoke." Now, I know a lot of dancers, like professional, you know, yes. dancers. They're not uh, they're not doing the lambada. They're not doing <laughs> salsa dancing necessarily. These are real dancers and <coughs> and do you and know, know them to smoke yes some of yes. them are smokers so i i like the little litany of, of of an explanation that you provide but can you talk a little bit about that song uh yeah i'm well uh let's see um uh my wife is a dancer and uh she she danced for 10 years with the latin ballet uh in richmond and uh and you know she devoted a, a portion of her life to dance, and then in high school, I knew uh, I knew 
girls who had studied modern dance. Um, and it just seemed like every dancer that I knew, with the exception of one, <clears throat> um, but it seemed like a lot of the dancers, would, would they were just constant smokers. And I thought that was like the irony of somebody dancing, uh, you know, having such a physical gig. And, and, then, and I mean, it's an optimal, you have to be an optimal physical condition to perform the dancing that some of these dancers perform. Right. So I, so the, the song was, you know, more or less to just, I mean, it just seemed funny to me. You know, there was a, uh, there's an obvious level of irony that a lot of dancers smoke. And, and, you know, when you're behind this, like my brother is an, uh, he's an actor uh, and he's, you know, immersed in the theater. And you see, so I've been around like dance and I've been around theater and I've seen a lot of like, uh, you know, the sort of backstage, like green room or like, you know, sneaking out a back door to have a cigarette and then coming back, that sort of behavior. Right. And it's always been sort of fascinating to me that the dancers would actually be the, be the biggest of the smokers. Um, and then, uh, so the song came, came from that. It came from the dancers that I know uh, smoking. And then, you know, so it's just uh, proposing a lot, of, a lot of ideas for why they might be smoking, you know. Uh, and it's just like a, the intent was just to make this like this crazy list of like you know they do this they do this maybe it's this maybe it's this like and you just say as many ideas as you can about why they why they smoke yeah it's uh, it's it's observational songwriting which i think is uh i, I kind of think of it as a high art form uh you know we, we credit a lot of i think a lot of journalists a lot of comedians are often credited with their observational prowess but i don't know that songwriters get the credit they deserve sometimes some some are, are very uh, it's very obvious that's where they're generating some of their ideas from just sort of watching other people and observing human behavior but so often we i think some people attribute uh very deeply personal uh feelings to songs like they assume that a songwriter is writing from their own personal experience and not simply observing what other people are doing yeah i think a lot of the stuff that i've that i've done has been uh, yeah, just straight observation about, um, you know, what you see and what you react to. Um, a lot of the, I mean, there are a lot of lines, there are a lot of songs that are about certain things that, that I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't feel that way, but you sort of take on this character that does feel this, that way. Um, and in some, in some cases it's sort of a character assassination where it's, uh, you know, you're saying something kind of negative and nasty. Um, because that kind of person uh, would would think that sort of thought. Do you know right, what I mean? Right, right. And I mean, on songs like Fits of Jealous Rage or In This Year or Too Many Lens Flares, that's a little bit of, I mean, the latter certainly is a little inside. You know, that's like a, that's like <laughs> it's something that someone in film or photography might recognize as a thing you know right and, and, and I, i'm curious about that too you seem to interact directly with cultural trends cultural shortcomings in your work and and you're coming at it from i think i recognize some of what you're talking about just because i'm sort of immersed in these cultural practices or the arts world generally and i like that you so i relate to them i mean and i'm sure lots of people like me and, and maybe people who aren't in those realms can relate to them too but i'm curious if you can talk a little bit about why that it's important for you potentially I, I think I, my sense is it's important for you to kind of illuminate what that world or these worlds are like for for people in your songs and I'm curious if that motivates you as a songwriter and if not what does 
If I'm, I mean, if I'm following you uh, accurately here, I, I, I would say that that's like m mentioning lens f lens flares um, specifically. Like that comes from me being uh, a fan of film and a fan of just art in general. You know, right? Like, <clears throat> even though we've, uh, you know, we're we're in you know neck deep with uh, with music. Um, you know, the visual arts have always been like a, a huge, a huge thing for me. And then to have, you know, film is like the ultimate, uh, you know, all the arts collaborate together into this crazy mesh. So, um, and that, you know, too many lens flares is, is sort of a, you know, a cry for like, you know, why do we keep making the trite, why do, you know, the same sort of trite, um, you know, maudlin kind of film when, you know, we have the tools to actually make, you know, push the art further, you know, pro-progress, yeah, right? I see, I see why you're, you're sensitive to the, the tone of the question because I, I think I use the, the term shortcomings, but it, it does seem like you are critiquing things you love. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I mean, I mean, like you, I feel like you, you feel the same way. Like, I mean, I'm, you're a fan of film, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and I mean, like, like, I don't know. I'd say I've devoted, I'd say most of my life to, to so many different artistic pursuits. Like whether it's, like I said, my brother's in theater. Uh, my wife is in dance. Uh, you know, I've done all this sort of visual art and music as well. So it's like, you know, all these, so many different, and I mean, not to mention just literature, just being a fan of literature. Um, and then, you know, you can drop these references into the songs because that's what, uh, uh, that's what you're immersed in. Well, it so does seem, it did, like the songs I mentioned, Fits of Jealous Rage are in this year. Here's Why Dancers Smoke and Too Many Lens Flares. <laughs> it does seem like you are curious and interested in how the world is kind of mediated um, and maybe communicating your own perception of certain when you say fits of jealous rage are in this year <laughs> that that phrase to me signifies you know people have made who are arbiters of whatever is trendy have and, and, you know it's a it's a very funny title but I, I you know what i mean like the underlying aspect of of it being in this year it just struck me as like how are how are we processing things that are happening to us well, whether it's uh, photos or or images or or any kind of art Right. Well, so for so for fits of jealous rage, it's it's um, so the song is about. Uh, I mean, and you might already know this, but it's about um, Francesca De Remini. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope I'm saying pronouncing her last name right. Um, I, do you know? Are you familiar with the story at all? I don't think I am actually. Uh, well, the the story is. I'm going to butcher this, but the story is that this <clears throat> this woman uh, was she was going to be married to a man, sort of a, uh, you know, she was betrothed to a man, and he, um, and, th and the man was sort of, uh, I guess he was supposed to be pretty ugly. Um, so when the father introduced them, he actually got his other son to, in, in the ugly son's stead. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and uh, she was like, oh, yeah, I'll marry that guy. Yeah, that guy, that guy's super handsome and hot. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. Uh, and then on her wedding day, she, uh, 
she actually sees, you know, the other, the other guy, and she's forced into this marriage with a guy she doesn't love, even though she fell in love with this, you know, this guy's brother. Hmm. And then, um, you know, according to the, the story, uh, they, they stayed in love, and they had an affair, and when the uh, not-so-handsome brother caught them, uh, uh, he, he kills her. Or kills them. I can't. I can't really remember. Oh boy. Huh. Um, and this is why in that song. Uh, so Francesca de Remini is uh, featured in uh, Dante's Inferno. Oh, okay. Um, and then the and so I mean the impetus for that song had to do with me. Go, like I always go to National Gallery of Art in D.C. and I was looking at this sculpture by Rodin called The Kiss, um, and I was researching it and I found out that that one of the other titles for it was Francesca de Remini. And I was thinking, oh, wow, I know nothing about this. You know, like it, it all sort of like unfolded from, from this, this story just based on this sculpture. Um, and so uh, the idea that, you know, uh, somebody would kill somebody in a, f- in a fit of passion and jealous rage and all that kind of stuff, uh, it's, it's this classic thing that even though the it's an old, ancient, ancient story. It's this thing that people still struggle with today, just common, you know, base jealousy, really. Right, right. Uh, so that's why it's like, you know, fits of, <laughs> so the tongue-in-cheek part is like, fits of jealous rage are, are in this year. Like, it's like this new thing. It's totally happening. But it's, it's the age-old thing, you know? It's like, it's, a, it's a commonality, you know? I see. So you're not necessarily commenting on how we process things or how things are mediated to us. You just, you just heard... A really interesting story. And it's <laughs> I'm actually. <laughs> I'm sorry, I disappointed you. No, not at uh, all. Not at all. It's not disappointing. This is my. It is. I mean, I don't know. You have to deal with people processing your own work all the time, and that's. Well, just my, I mean, that was my take on it. To be honest, like nobody ever, nobody ever asks. Uh, not not very many people have ever asked me about about lyrics and about the the songwriting. Um, there are a lot of times, like I I work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Really hard on the lyrics. And uh, a lot of times you just feel like nobody ever looks at the lyric sheet. No, no, no. I, I, it's, it's, I, I was quite fond of... I mean, I'm, it's a fairly limited exposure I have, but I'm somewhat, like, I know people who are in dance, for example, so, and I know people who are photographers as well, so sometimes the parlance of their specialty will fly through the air, and I'll pick out what I can, and my brain will soak it up, and, and certainly 
hearing dancers talk about dancing, and I've interviewed some dancers in recent years too, just to get a sense of their practice. And, and when I hear that song in particular, Here's Why Dancers Smoke, I picture it. It's very vivid to me. I yeah. relate to it based on my, as I say, relatively limited, but some, somewhat, uh, you know, I have interactions with dancers and I've been backstage when they've come off stage and winded and bruised and sort of <laughs> emotionally and physically drained. Um, yeah. And so I, I, it just it just stuck out to me. I actually circulate. I know that you've got the demo of the song up on your band camp and I already started circulating it to some dancers and they've all been like, yes, <laughs> I get it. Like that. Uh, he gets it. Like, that's totally right. Like, that's that's perfect. I mean, know, it's, so. I mean there's a, yeah, there are enough sort of uh, bits of rationale in there from curbing curbing an appetite to like, uh, you know, the sort of, you know, the teenage rebellion against parents and or whatever, you know, the yeah, overbearing yeah. parent or or some newfound freedom that you have or you know the the sort of like release of uh just the general pressures from from whoever you're working with you know it's it's a, it's sort of this release or whatever yeah. i mean you say the same thing with cooks like you know cooks often smoke uh they open up a back door in a kitchen yeah. and have a cigarette and it's a it's sort of a high pressured gig you know mm-hmm. and they uh and it's this tradition of them all sort of commiserating and and having a cigarette and then back to the grind you know yeah <clears throat> um, yeah 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 totally no and i and i see that you i think it's always interesting when someone it doesn't always happen it, it happens a lot but it's always interesting when someone in one particular uh specialty makes observations about other people's particular you know <laughs> place and, and sort of doesn't you know it happens all the time we see sort of i guess it's called sort of cross genre or something and sometimes it happens within a particular art form but to take yeah for an artist a musician to kind of write a whole song maybe about chefs or something (laughs) based on you know what though i didn't actually think about that and i guess that's kind of a dangerous thing to do you know yeah it can be like i could have offended all the dancers i actually just thought that the dancers I know would just laugh about it, you know, mm-hmm. and just be like, oh, yeah, we, I guess we do smoke. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, my, my wife has since quit, but, uh, but she, did, she did used to smoke pretty heavily. Right. You mentioned that um, Fits of Jealous Rage are in this year was, was inspired partially by a trip to a museum and, and, and absorbing art. And you're an artist <laughs> yourself. You're a visual artist. Can you talk a little bit about your artwork and, and your practice? Well, uh, I've done a lot of uh, different stuff with art, but I, from, you know, screen printing to uh, sort of like a traditional painting, but the, the thing that I, that I do mostly is like just um, cartooning, you know, like uh, brush and ink, uh, you know, uh, black and white cartooning. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, I've just, I've been, my influence for that was really the, the daily comic strips when I was a kid. I was, I was really into, um, like, comic strips like Bloom County, yeah. obviously, like, Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, and when I was a kid, uh, to read comic books was actually kind of frowned upon. It was, it wasn't cool. There, it was something that was a little bit like, if you read comics... You didn't really talk about reading comics. 
Oh, like you mean it was frowned upon among your peer group? Yeah, around around my peers. Like I remember there was when my brother went to high school. There was a, um, and you know I was still in junior high, but I remember him mentioning that there was a a comic book club. And and I remember thinking, you know, to myself, like, oh man, that's that's crazy that people would actually admit that they read <laughs> comics and you know uh, and and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, you know, comics have evolved quite a bit. And now it's fully embraced by the mainstream. But it was, it was like this thing where if you read comics, maybe it's just me, but I'm 41 now. So if that puts any sort of like age uh, time frame into this, you know, it might help. Yeah. But I, I, so my thing with getting into comics was the daily strips. I was really into the daily strips and I was really into, like I said, I'd always go to National Gallery of Art and I was really into Roy Lichtenstein. Uh, I really loved that he would single out a, like just one single panel from a comic and make it ginormous, and and then that would be like you're forced to reckon with the sort of beautiful composition that happens within a single panel. Right. Um, and Lichtenstein and the Daily Strips were sort of my everything. And then my, the first comic book I ever bought uh, was an Aquaman comic. <laughs> I know he's not very popular, but I have a strange affection for him just because it was the first comic I ever bought. And it was... It what, is was the rap, uh, what is the rap on Aquaman? People don't like Aquaman because he lives in the sea? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. The people just haters because the guy's just in the sea. <laughs> just, he's, his power is... He's good at swimming? I can't no, remember his, what... He's, his power... I can't believe you don't know this. His power I, is I that know, he can... I'm he getting can, back into comic books because my kid is four and he wants to know all about the Justice League and... And frankly, I'll be honest with you, when we read a Justice League comic or watch a Justice League thing, Aquaman's not getting much screen or page time. No, he, I mean, how could he? He lives in the sea. Um, so Hard to draw, <laughs> maybe? I don't know. No, Aquaman was... Uh, I don't know. I, I, the, the thing I bought was called... It was an Aquaman special, number one, and it gave the, the, his backstory. Um, and it was, it was, you know, I bought it when I was in seventh or eighth grade, and I was... I was into it, but I didn't buy it for the story. I actually bought it I, for the art. I wanted to take it home, and I wanted to copy the art, and I wanted to learn how to how to draw that sort of like slice of life style, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, drawing. So I bought it strictly for the art, and I ended up reading it by default and really liking it. Um, but if you want to know what Aquaman's power is, he can communicate with the underwater creatures. Uh, with his mind <laughs> right and that's helpful because most uh, crime does occur underwater well the other thing is that there are all, you know there's an underwater civilization so that's right uh, is it Atlantis yeah in Atlantis you know sometimes he's got to take care of business in Atlantis he's had a whole lot of drama with his wife there's a there's a lot going on with Aquaman I'm sorry um, I, I sound like a xenophobe because I'm not regarding <coughs> the underwater world as, as significant <laughs> You're better than land. that. Why would you do that? No, it's it's totally fine. It's easily overlooked. Um, but you love Aquaman. That's fine. And Aquaman and and those comics were a big influence on on your current work. Wait, let me let me be clear here. I do I I I do love Aquaman only in that you know I have this like nostalgia for my first comic. But I'm not uh, I'm not crazy about Aquaman like. <laughs> like I've got a tattoo or, you know, I mean, at some point he grew his hair long like Kurt Cobain and he lost his hand and 
you know, I didn't follow all that kind of garbage. Right, um, right. You know, but anyway, uh, the, but I also want to say that if your kid is getting into the Justice League, um, I highly recommend late 80s Justice League comics. Uh, well, those are, those are the ones I would have at my home, like in my parents' house. Yeah, those uh, are the ones that are funny. Um, because, you know, when they take a serious turn, it's, it's not that great. But the, when they're legitimately funny, yeah. I'm really into Justice League because of that. Okay, I'll keep um, that in mind. I don't know how much I'd have it. I'm mostly just buying, like, newer volumes of stuff and it's usually like you know the 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 bound like it's like several volumes bound book yeah yeah, yeah. series because so it's just he, he's just gonna rip apart every he doesn't care that much he just he just likes to pretend he's the superheroes <laughs> i mean it's all the rage right now it's kind Is of it? i mean i never saw this day coming like when i was a kid i just I'm, i mean i would have never predicted all these movies and oh the movies yeah no and everything predicted that no everybody embracing comics in fact like at, at this point i actually don't want to see another comic book movie i'm completely sick of it um even though i devoted you know a portion of my life to this it's uh it's a little too too for me um plus i, I, I didn't i didn't actually grow up i had to decide whether i was going to be a marvel guy or a dc guy yeah um because i couldn't afford both right so i just i was like oh batman dc uh, I'm going for Batman. I you know? huge Batman. That's like I was a huge Batman fan. My whole still am. I mean, I like the Christopher Nolan movies a lot. I will if I yeah. have the, the time. I will pop them in and just watch them. If I'm like sick or something, I could just watch them all day. Yeah, they're, I mean they're they're well written. Yeah. A few a few holes. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> yes. But, but they are well written movies. Yeah. Anyway, about about the art, I liked Lichtenstein, and I was reluctant to get into comics. And when I bought this Aquaman comic, I ended up uh, going to comic book shops <clears throat> and really getting into. I, I bought Justice League, and then I I asked one of the the comic shop. Uh, the, I actually asked the owner for a recommendation mm -hmm. and he uh suggested some uh some better titles so from justice league i started reading before dc started their thing called vertigo it was just like suggested for adult readers or mature readers i read sandman and hellblazer and doom patrol uh and all these other comics from from the 90s and then i kind of quickly went into love and rockets and uh you know eight ball but did you, did you actually ever write or publish your own comics, or did you just take your skill and put it towards show posters and album art and stuff like that? I did. I tried. I really did try to, to do comics for a while. Um, I always thought I would, I would stick with it, too. But uh, it's, it really, really is hard to, to illustrate and write a comic. Like, a, hmm. if you were going to write, uh, you know, a 24-page comic... I mean, it could be just because I have perfectionist tendencies, too. Um, it is really, really, really hard. Like, if you wanted to hold down a job and maintain a relationship with a significant other yeah. and illustrate comics, like, it's going to be a lot to take in. Or, right. you know, or, I mean, pursue music or, you know, do anything else. Uh, but I, I really I devoted a lot of time to, to comics and drawing comics. I did a lot of short comics. And then I did uh, some collaborations with people where I made sort of a compilation book and I would put it out and put it in record stores for free. And just, like, I'd make a bunch of them at Kinko's 
and then and just leave them at a record store. Uh, mm-hmm. I did that for a while, and looking back, it's it's really embarrassing stuff too, because I think. I thought at the time, like in order to be an artist, you, you really had to bury your soul and say the difficult stuff or, or maybe even like stream of consciousness kind of stuff. Like right. I thought, and uh, I'm glad I got it out of my system, but like when I look back at those comics, I kind of cringe because <laughs> it's, it's really hard to see. It's really hard to look at them. But um, so the cover art for Real Lessons and Cynicism, I mean, can you describe it for people? I mean, obviously, we're, we're talking in a medium where people aren't going to be able to see it. But they can, if they go to my website and discord.com and, yeah. and, uh, or wherever, they can see the album art. But can you just talk about, my understanding is that you had created the cover art for the record, and it was supposed to be a skateboard deck, but it ended up being the cover art of the record. But can you... Uh, describe the artwork and maybe talk about why sure, it went sure. from skateboard to album art. Uh, yeah, it, it's it, let's see. Um, no one has asked me about the cover art either, which is funny. Um, I ask cov- I ask the big questions. <laughs> That's the whole point of the show. <clears throat> That's good. I'm 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 happy I can I can talk about this. But the the okay. Let me explain. Really, let me go back a little bit. Sure. Um, when I'm drawing, and I've done a lot of, this is stuff I haven't mentioned because I was talking about comics for so long, but obviously I've done a lot of, I've done more flyers and posters than and and album covers than anything else at have this you, point. Have, I don't mean to interrupt again, but have you done album covers we might know, like for other bands? Uh, I mean, I've, you know, I've done them for, for my bands. Uh, oh, primarily for your bands. And then I've done, let's see, I've done one, I did one cover for Mark Robinson on mm-hmm. Teen Beat. Uh, after uh, when he was done with Unrest, one of his mm-hmm. solo records, and then I did a um, Edie Sedgwick cover, uh, and uh, I don't know what else. Um, I mean, besides my own bands like The Most Secret Method and uh, Beauty Pill, uh, you know, yeah, I, I can't think off the top of my head. I've done okay. a lot of covers though. Um, but anyway, all of that. Uh, I, like my thing was just to like when I stopped trying to write comics like write stories I wasn't drawing that much and everything that I would draw would be for something like a um, like a poster or a flyer sure and and there was a there was a time when I was kind of, I really wanted to keep working and keep drawing just to stay in practice of drawing but uh, I didn't I didn't know what I didn't know what to draw and I was going around with a camera, and I was taking I was taking photos of stuff, and then I was drawing from the photos. But then after a while, just in order to stay busy, I did something that I I, I really didn't want to do, which is, um, I I started I would watch an old movie like a black and white movie, and if there was a scene that had really good like what I would consider you know composition, mm-hmm. I would hit pause, and then I would just draw what was on the screen. Um, and then I got really, you know, I was just like, and no one needs to see this. Like no one ever needs <laughs> to see these things. I'm just, I just need to draw, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I started drawing images from movies and sometimes I'd draw them really small and put them on postcards and mail them to people, you know, like I did that with, um, Chinatown. I was watching Chinatown one time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I did it with Marathon Man. I actually sent that to Jay Robbins and, uh, and Janet Morgan, his wife, and they claimed they never got that one, but it was Dustin Hoffman in a bathtub. So 
that postcard is floating around somewhere on Earth. Oh, nice. <laughs> Apparently, they never I mean, got I'm it. So- I'm sorry they didn't get it, but that's, that sounds cool. Um, but I was hitting pause on all these old movies uh, and Twilight Zone. And then I was going to the library and finding um, books with old movie stills in them, like from Buster Keaton. And I, after a while, I don't know why, I just got obsessed with just all the composition from old film. Um, well, and I, beautiful, beautiful, beautifully composed films, mostly, yeah. Yeah, and, it, like, these people did so much work just for lighting, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and character placement. So <clears throat> I would, uh, I, I, just, I just love it. So it just it, to amuse myself and to keep busy, I would do that from time to time. And, uh, and a lot of these images ended up, uh, you know, I ended up using for, for records. So for this first soccer team record... The cover is a Buster Keaton. It's from a Buster. It's from a film still from yep. a Buster Keaton movie. Um, and the boxer on the inside, this long illustrated boxer, that's also from a Buster Keaton film. Uh, and then um, for minutes, we did a T-shirt, and um, that's just a. I hit pause while watching Twilight Zone, and it's just a bunch of people in a in a car. Um, but with like these great shadows, you know, that you just can't make up. Right, <laughs> it's right, so right. beautiful. So for the soccer team record, um, I did, I made Melissa uh, a skateboard. And the the drawing on the skateboard are, is just a bunch of people all lined up looking straight ahead. And I have no idea what movie it's from. It came from a book. And I think the, a, bo- a book about film. And I think, I think the movie was almost like a second person movie where the cameraman, like every actor was like talking directly to the camera. So this one film still had all these people just in a line looking right at the camera. Hmm. So, uh, and they were all like, you know, there's so many of them and they're all in a line. So I, I had, there's a, a, you know, like an online company where you can submit art and they just print it on a single skateboard. So as a gift to Melissa Quinley, I, 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 wrote her name on the skateboard <laughs> and, I, and I had all these people and oh. it looks, it looks, it looks great. Like it was, it was kind of, it was kind of awesome. Um, I'm, and you know, I was getting into like just making people skateboards. Like I made my wife a skateboard and then I had some other plans to make other friends skateboards just, just to make them laugh. You know, that's quite a, it's quite a, an offer by this company to just take whatever you send them and turn it in, put it on a uh, deck. Honestly, it's kind of, it's kind of corny. Like the process, you know, it's not like they're, they're screen printing it, you know, oh. They're just doing like a heat transfer, but it, you know, it looks, it looks good enough. <laughs> but anyway, I was, I was getting into all that. And then I was going to make another one because Melissa's turned out so well. So I wanted another image of like people all in a line and I happened to be watching the blob and that movie's terrible, by the way. <laughs> I can't remember anything about the blob or if I, I think I've seen it, but I can't remember. Maybe no, high I mean, it's great. It's a great movie, but it's also like, you know, it's a product of, an insane time in cinema. Uh, but there's this great shot of all these teenagers in an elevator, um, you know, just, you know, and it, it happened to be the moment and I was just like, that's, that's the shot, you know, and I hit pause. Right. And, uh, and then, you know, I drew this image and then there's another shot right after where somebody like the kids are playing around with each other and one of them pretends like he's choking somebody. Mm-hmm. So I just drew them both. And my plan was to make another skateboard and put both of those images, you know, side by side. <clears throat> but it really worked well for the soccer team cover. So I abandoned the skateboard thing and 
just used it for the cover. Sorry. And I think it's I think it's funny because it looks like, you know, it look if if you know it to be a band, it looks like maybe it's a drawing of everybody in the band and it's I mean I don't know, there's like five or six people on the cover. I can't even remember. But you, you look know, like a, a very wholesome band. Yeah, they're like <laughs> Yeah, they're all getting in the mystery machine. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. It's totally like Scooby Doo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I think that the uh, the record is is great, and I'm glad we got to talk kind of really all about it. Really, we talked. I think we covered this record from angles that I was not even expecting to cover it from. Um, yeah, I uh, I was very happy to go through it. Just to wrap up, uh, can you talk about what's next for soccer team or minutes? Like, what are you up to after this? Well, uh, with Minutes, I'd really like to, uh, you know, we have to work remotely. And I'd really like to, to get back together with Minutes during the summer and try to do more recording with them. Mm-hmm. Um, those, the three guys, Mark, Ike, and Chafe, are playing with our friend Toby right now. And Mark, our bassist, switched to drums and Toby's playing bass. And they have a new band. Uh, called out and you know they're just they're still sort of like you know going full force right um and you know there's no love loss obviously i'm not there and they gotta they gotta keep rocking so i'm Mm -hmm. i'm totally down but the minutes thing was uh like i have a a pretty serious affection for it and i don't you know i i hope to never stop playing with minutes because those guys are like like brothers you know it's it's uh i mean brothers you know i get along with my brother really he's like one of my best friends so (laughs) i know some people hate their family but uh but yeah the minutes guys are are everything to me so i'd like to get together if i can my family situation makes it kind of difficult because my wife and i have twins and they're uh they're only six months old right now oh okay uh so we uh so you know if we can if Aaron and I, my wife and I, can travel out there and maybe hang out for a week. We could probably get some stuff done with minutes. Right. Um, but it would it would only it would be you know like one off shows here and there. And with soccer team, we've started writing new stuff. Uh, in fact, our last show we played two or three, I think at least two new songs in the set. Oh, wow. And we have uh, I know it's it's terrible too. It's like you know we have this new record and then. Here are songs that are, aren't on that record. <laughs> no, well, that doesn't that doesn't matter anymore. Plus, I mean, we didn't really talk about it too much, but like you were, it's been nine years since the last soccer team record, and oh, yeah. you, we you kind of explained where you went and maybe why that happened, and uh, that's all well and good. But I wondered if you know sometimes in that time, you, did you write in the kind of hiatus between records? Were you guys writing at all? We well, we finished. We Melissa and I had songs that we. You're talking about right with soccer team, right? Yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. yeah. We Melissa and I had songs that we that we didn't finish from the first record. Um, we like they there were songs that were done, but we didn't actually finish the recording. So when we got back together to do the seven inch that we put out on Love It, th- that was sort of to finalize the songs that the l- sort of last crop of songs that we were working on. Um, and then and then when I moved back, I moved back right after we finished that seven inch, and Melissa. She applied for South by Southwest, thinking that we would never get a show. She just kind of did it for the goof. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they sent her an email like, you're in. So suddenly Melissa and I were like, oh, uh, we actually have to come up with bandmates and <laughs> start playing shows. Right. 
So uh, as soon as I moved back, uh, we started playing with Mark Cisneros uh, as a drummer. And then Mark sort of has his thumb in every pie. He played in a lot of different bands in DC. So after the South by Southwest thing, you know, we gravitated toward uh, Melissa's husband, Dennis, and then Jason Hutto from the Aquarium. They're, you know, uh, and that, that was like the inclusion of those guys was sort of wonderful. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and then, and we played, you know, we played a bunch of shows after South by Southwest while we were working on this record. Um, but then, you know, we haven't played a show in a year uh, until, what, two weeks ago. Um, and that had more to do with me and my wife having kids. Right. <clears throat> but yeah, it was, we, we were writing new stuff, uh, and Jason's brought, he brought a couple of new ideas in that we were really excited about. Um, and then I have some new songs that we were working on as well. And I don't know, we just want to keep writing and recording and keep playing live. Cool. I really want to get to a point playing live that I, where I used, like, how I used to feel in soccer team was very comfortable and not so nervous. And I found myself lately feeling very out of practice and feeling very nervous before we play. Mm. So hopefully, I mean, so and the only thing you can do in that situation is just play more. Yeah. So you can, so you can shake it out of your system. So th that's, that's my intention. I, I need to figure out a way to actually play more. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I wish you luck with that. And I want to let, everyone who's listening know that the new soccer team record is called real lessons and cynicism it's out now via discord records and they're playing in baltimore at make studio on november 28th at 3 p.m and at the uh, martin luther king jr memorial library in washington dc on december 11th at noon is soccer team strictly a daytime live band <laughs> no that's just a coincidence that that's that... weird two afternoon I shows i don't think we've ever played an afternoon show i might be wrong about that but i don't i don't think we've done it so this is uh where this is we're trailblazing this is new territory for It'll us be good it's like a lunchtime treat yeah yeah i have to actually i just reminded me i have to take off work for that oh yeah uh, yeah mlk well, show that's that's why i that's why i mentioned them it's really <laughs> a calendar reminder for you right uh <laughs> people you. can get more information about all of these things at discord.com uh, uh ryan is there a song from the new record we can go out on uh yeah uh well uh i think the song that i like best on the record is is pretty unpopular um it's called dinner dinner with derelicts but i'd say <laughs> If you're gonna play a song that people might actually enjoy, uh, maybe um, "Vacations on the Lamb." Okay, you sure you don't want to go with the unpopular option? <laughs> I uh, no, do "Vacations." It's 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 a uh, it's a better trip. Okay, is there? Wait, can you play something with profanity in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do it anything we want. Okay, because there... I think there might be a, there might be one one little bit of profanity, but not much. Well, people who are listening have now been warned. If they're sensitive to that kind of thing, okay. maybe they yeah. can stop. And I'm, but... yeah, I'm sorry about that. It's, no, 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 don't applaud. There was, there there was anything... nothing I could do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't have any other option. You could only pick the song with a curse word. Is there anything you want to tell us about the song? Uh, the song is is pretty. Uh, you know, earlier when I was mentioning that it was like a, you know, you get involved in like character assassination, like you take on the role of a character that, but you don't, like I don't necessarily feel that way. But it's, uh, so this song is, is kind of negative. It's sung from the point of view of someone who is in a loveless marriage, a marriage of convenience. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And, 
uh, yeah, she's she's married to somebody who she doesn't necessarily want everybody to see and hang out with, but um, you know, it's it it works out that they're married for you know the economy of everything. It's 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 actually pretty sinister, <laughs> Ter- terrible kind of, terrible kind of sentiment. En- it kind of ends abruptly, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it does. Yeah, it just sort of ends. It just sort of like. It's it's a uh, you describe it in almost a film noirish plot line and then <laughs> and then the song just abruptly ends. Okay, well this is Vacations on the Lamb by Soccer Team. Uh, Ryan uh, Nelson, this was really fun. Thank you for being on this show and and I wish you the best of luck. Hey Vish, is there any way that we'll actually meet in this lifetime? Yes, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure there will be a way. Uh, All right. If you if you want to make that happen, Ryan, I'm sure it will. Are you All coming right. to Canada anytime soon? Well, Im- invite us up. We'll come up. Okay. Or invite me, just me. I'll come up by myself. <laughs> I, no, um, I'd we'd we'd love to, you know. If you're in, also if you're in the states, you know, if you ever make it to D.C., give me a shout. Yeah, I haven't been to D.C. in a while, but uh, I will, uh, I will, I will consider that. I, th- I I thank you for the invite. Yeah, I'm, and it's not just it's not just lip service. I mean it. No, I'm. I'm <laughs> if I'm you come to D.C., I'll take you to National Gallery. I'll show you around. Oh, that sounds very sweet of you. Thank you, Ryan. I do appreciate. It. Well, you know you. And I both have small children, and uh, that can complicate things. Uh, no, 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 it's called play date. That's true, that's true. <laughs> but you've got, what did you say, two six-month-olds? Yeah, but by the time, you know, your kids can babysit mine. Yeah, right? hopefully. Hopefully that'll work out. No, this, that, that sounds good to me. Well, thanks, Ryan. I do appreciate it. All right, Vish. Take care, man. Hey, I
have it, new music by Soccer Team from Washington, D.C. Thank you once again, Ryan Nelson, for being on this program. Ryan and I had a slight technical snafu getting this show recorded, but we did it. We hope you enjoyed it. And again, you can learn more about the band at Discord.com. Oh, Ryan actually recommended a band uh, called Puff Pieces from Washington, D.C. I I hope you noticed that (laughs) during the interview. And I checked them out, and they're great. I ordered the 7-inch, and uh, as a slight nod to Ryan and the band, I inserted one of their songs as the bed music, the bed track for the bookshelf ad at the top of the show. So if if you don't remember it, scroll back and listen to that and tell me. You tell me if that didn't sound good. I think it sounded pretty good. So there you go. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Puff Pieces. Coming up next week on the show, something pretty unique. It's a two-part episode. I've never done this before on the show. I've divided an interview into two. And also, I should say, well, let me say very quickly, I think some of you who listen to the show regularly know that at the beginning of the fall, I suggested I want to shake things up a little bit and try to do something at least once a month that was different for the show. So not just one-on-one interviews or me talking to a band about their stuff, but something different. So one thing I did recently was the Drive Like Jehu audio documentary, which was, I have to say, very well received. Thank you for... I I get like a an email or a message a a week at least still, and that thing came out a few weeks ago, and it's still doing well. Like, I I appreciate all the feedback, and I'd like to do more stuff like that, but it's a lot of work. The other thing I'd mentioned is that I wanted to try to do uh, moderated or panel discussions uh, between people, and so not necessarily people like the bass player and the, the drummer from a, the same band, but people who work in the arts or work in culture and maybe don't, uh, maybe they've worked together at some point, maybe their paths have crossed, but they're kind of on a similar trajectory and of similar interest to people, but eh, what? how do they connect? So that's what I've done. I did my very first moderated conversation recently, and you're going to hear it in two parts next week. Next week, a moderated conversation between Steve Albini of Shellac of North America and the Electrical Audio Facility in Chicago, Illinois, and Ian Mackay of Discord Records, Fugazi, and the Evens uh, from Washington, D.C. So we have Ian and Steve. Uh, I'll air the first one. I'll post the first one on Tuesday, I believe, and then the second one on Thursday. That's my plan. It's pretty exciting. I hope you uh, check it out. And, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say for now. If you want to listen to this show and you don't know how to do it, you can go to iTunes, you can subscribe there, you can review the show, you can rate the show and all that stuff. But most importantly, please subscribe to the show on iTunes. Subscribe and uh, like stuff on audioboom.com, the Creative Control of Vichikana page at Audioboom. You can go to patreon.com to make a flexible monthly donation to the show, and you can also view the T-shirts that we have for sale currently. You can find uh, Creative Control with Vishkana on Facebook. Uh, there's a page there. Please feel free to like it. You can also find us on Twitter at Vish Creative, Creative with a K. And I'm at Vishkana, also Kana with a K. You can listen to a version of this show every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph and uh, worldwide at CFRU.ca. Once again, thank you for listening. And uh, next week, Steve Albini, Ian McKay together over two episodes. I hope you will check those out. Talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.